I don't know about you, but I love movies. I love re-watching my favorite movies. And one of the movies that I love to watch is Lord of the Rings. And when the new Hobbit movie came out, I found the tagline for the rest of my life. And it is when Bilbo says, I'm going on an adventure. And I love that reminder from uh, Pastor Janae today about how living this life with God is an adventure. And so the past few weeks, we have been looking at the same passage. We've been looking at the dimensions and directions of a Christ-centered life. We looked at looking up how Jesus spent time on the mountainside with God. And then he leaned in. When he gathered his disciples, who were very, very different from each other. And today, we get to look at leading out. Today, as we journey on what it means to lean out, I want us to know that what I'm talking about is intentionally going out and serving others. We see this final posture from Jesus as he begins to heal people. He doesn't gather his disciples together after calling them and then say, okay guys, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna discuss the needs that you see around you. No, he saw the group of people that were in need and he said, let's go guys. I'm gonna show you what it means to lead out. And as I reflected on this passage the past few weeks, there were so many stories in the Bible that we could have looked at today. Because the heart of God is for everyone to know his love. That everybody would be serving others and loving others. But this, this passage that I chose, was a passage that it kept coming back to my heart, is the story of a blind man named Bartimaeus. If you would read with me from Mark 10, verses 46 through 52, I will read this amazing story. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we stand here today feeling just overwhelmed with your love for us. You love us so well. We are broken people and we are reminded that in our brokenness you loved us. 
God, we can't live this Christ-centered life by ourselves. We need you. And so we ask that you would speak to our hearts today and what it means to love and to serve those around us. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at the story of Bartimaeus. First off, Mark tells us his name. There are many miracles in Mark where the name of the man or the woman who was healed is never mentioned. There could be multiple reasons why Mark did this. Part of it could have been that uh, there was something important about Bartimaeus. One of them could be that his dad. We are told who his dad is. Maybe the reader would have thought to himself, oh yes, Timius's boy, I know who that is. Or maybe it was that his dad himself was also blind, making it a particularly sad situation. It also could have been that he was Greek and he was a Gentile. Either whatever the reason was that Mark used his name, it reminds us that God knows our name. Jesus knew Bartimaeus' name when he was healing him. So let me set the scene. There's this huge crowd, and they're all leaving town. They're all leaving from Jericho. It's probably loud. People are laughing. People are talking with their friends. And, and all of a sudden, they hear, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and they're kind of looking around like, who is yelling? If you've ever been in a situation where someone is yelling out for help, it can get a little confusing and quite honestly, a little awkward. And so the disciples thinking, okay, we have the solution, told him, hey, just be quiet, just be quiet. Jesus doesn't need you. You're not important, like, stop, stop yelling. But I love the tenacity of Bartimaeus. He's like yelling even louder, like, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, I hear you. I hear you, Bartimaeus. But so often, we can be like the disciples who thought they were protecting Jesus by getting rid of the person who was in need. I'm going to repeat that. The disciples thought they were helping Jesus by getting rid of people who were in need. I think you would think as they neared the end of his ministry, they would know that that was not the heart of Jesus. And yet, they thought... Ugh, Make sure this guy doesn't interrupt Jesus. He's got more important things to do. Maybe you haven't told someone to shut up who was asking for help. Or maybe you have. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't walk around and look at your life. But if you're like me, and you've seen someone in need, and you can start to feel your heart soften, and then something happens. And the more times that this happens, the quicker this next reaction happens. We begin to harden our hearts. We begin to think to ourselves, I wonder what this person did to deserve where they're at. We stop ourselves from having empathy or compassion for others because we think, there must be a reason why that they're in this place. During this time in the Bible, it was totally acceptable to believe that if someone was blind or deaf or had some kind of special needs, that someone sinned, whether it was their dad, their mom, or maybe they sinned at one day old and now they were blind. 
given that it was socially and sadly religiously encouraged to stay away from people who were seen as lesser. If you were a woman, someone who had a disease, a Gentile, and there were a number of things that could make you unclean, it was totally okay for a religious person to stay away from you. And so in this moment, the disciples were doing what they were taught in their culture. Jesus ain't got time for you. He's got more important people to talk to. Don't interrupt him. This past summer, I came down with a small group of students and a leader to go to a youth conference at Biola. And on our way back, we got stuck in Seattle. There's only two airports that actually fly into Juneau, and that is Anchorage and Seattle. So because there was so little flights and they were all booked coming out of Seattle to Juneau, we were stuck in Seattle for two days over the 4th of July weekend. We decided to make the best of it. And so the first night, of course, we went to a baseball game. We went to a Mariners game. It was an epic game. They went into extra innings. There was fireworks. And I thought, oh, this is going to be the greatest trip ever, that we were stuck in Seattle. And then the next day, we naturally did what every Alaskan does when we go to the lower 48. <laughs> Don't know if you, you've heard that term before. Um, we went shopping because we don't have any places to go clothing shopping or just shopping in general. And I remember going into Target as it was nearing the end of the day and there was this lady who was in the purse section and she was talking to herself. And it was very obvious she needed help. And then I remember leaving that Target and realizing the whole area had changed in the time we had shopped. Third Street had turned into a whole street of an encampment of homeless people. My first reaction was, how do I get these students back to our hotel? And when we got back to the hotel, I lost it. I started crying. I think in that moment, I understood a little bit of how God felt for those people. It was the first time in a long time I hadn't done the mental gymnastics of saying, oh, there's a reason why they're there. Instead, I just mourned that we live in a broken world. I didn't, I didn't shut out the voices that were saying, it shouldn't be this way, Joy. And together, we all prayed for the people that we had walked by that day. You see, Jesus just doesn't allow outcasts of the society to be around him. He welcomes them. When his disciples try to get rid of people, Jesus took the time to include them. Jesus made an extra effort to say, you belong here to celebrate them, to know them, to know their names, to know their story. He showed them they had value. Living on mission means asking God to open our eyes to the needs that are around us, that we're not so busy that we miss the people who are in need. But living on mission also means 
that we need to get close to those who are in need. Jesus said, come here, Bartimaeus. He didn't say, stand over there, make sure there's a distance, and I can heal you, and then we're good. He said, come here. Come close to me. In Luke 6, we see the crowds that were sick needed help, and they wanted to touch Jesus. Why did they want to touch him? Because they had seen what had happened when he got close to people and his power healed them. One of my favorite stories is a story in Mark where it talks about a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. And all she could think about is if I can just, if I can just touch Jesus' robe. Touch is so powerful. It would be easy for Jesus to just ignore people and stay far away from them because, again, socially acceptable. And yet Jesus says, I want to be close to those who are in need. Before this story in Mark, right before it, Jesus is settling a dispute between two of his disciples. James and John think they are so cool, and they think they're so great. And they say, Jesus, you know, when we get to heaven, because we're like your best friends, um, <laughs> can we like sit really close to you? Can we, can we like one on your right hand, one on your left hand, like, and, and make sure everyone knows we're your best friends? And Jesus says, that, that, that's not what I'm about. I'm not about you wanting to show everyone you're the greatest. And he says, this, whoever wants to become great among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. N.T. Wright says this, he says, God turns the world's idea of power and glory upside down. Jesus was the king who lowered himself to serve. One of the hardest things that happened on March 2020 was that we couldn't be close to one another. We couldn't sit next to each other. We had to be of a distance from each other. And one of the things that made me realize that was when in the past I had served at a local soup kitchen with my students every single first Thursday of the month. We got to see all of the people that we were serving these pizzas to, and we got to know their names and if they like pepperoni or Hawaiian or combo or vegetarian. We even had one pizza that was for a particular person who couldn't eat tomato sauce. So we had a pizza that was just for him so that he could eat pizza. And it was the saddest thing to know that we were just giving money to this organization to serve them, that we couldn't be face-to-face -face with them anymore. And sadly, I left without actually seeing them face-to-face -face because we were allowed to cook, but we couldn't serve. There's just something about being close to one another. So when Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want? Jesus is always asking the best questions because he already knows the answers. He says, what do you want? And Bartimaeus says, I want to see. Jesus goes above and beyond, as he always does. And he not only gives this man sight, but spiritual sight.
How do I know this? Well, Bartimaeus follows Jesus after this. He becomes one of those disciples that follows Jesus because his life was changed because Jesus saw the need, got close to him, and healed him. Jesus set an example for his disciples and us what it looks like to be on mission. He was simply walking from one town to another, and he was okay with being interrupted and said, come Barnabas, I got time for you. I, I wanna give you good things, I wanna heal you. So you might be thinking, okay, great story, Joy. I'm so glad you shared that with us. Jesus is on mission, great. I just don't know if that, that's for me. I think missions are for the people that are going overseas. You know, those special people that are extra good. Those are the people who are supposed to do missions. Well, I'm sorry, I have really bad news for you. Living on mission is for all of us. It's not just an optional route. We are all called to mission, to living a life of service, living a life of leading out. You see, it goes back to what our motivation is to be on mission. Why do we ask God to open our eyes to the needs around us? Why do we get close to the people that the world would easily discard? Because we're all Bartimaeus. We're all broken people in need of help. We are all outcasts, and Jesus went out of his way to heal us. For some of us, that might feel a little bit more deeply for us that we were outside of God's family, and he invited us in. I was chatting with Pastor Curtis about this message, and I shared with him how the story of John 4 really affected me as a little girl. If you don't know this story, it's about Jesus not going around, but through Samaria, where everybody went around. He went through Samaria to meet this woman who was Samaritan. And I learned when I was a little girl that Samaritans weren't fully Jewish. And that was part of the reason why they weren't allowed to be with Jewish people. They had to live in Samaria. And so for a girl who was mixed, I, I really connected with her. And I realized that the girl who was too Asian with her white friends, and too white with her Asian friends, that there was somewhere I belonged, and that was with Jesus. That if I lived during that time, Jesus would have went out of his way to come find me and to show me that I had value. And my heart was that one day, one day, I would find a church who was actually doing that. They were going out of their way to share with people their value and that they were loved by Jesus. And that, my friends, is why I am so passionate about missions. Because I know what it feels like to be an outcast. I know what it feels like to be odd, a weirdo. And Jesus loved me. He didn't think I was too much trouble or just didn't fit in the right boxes. I was worth his time, and he loved me. And I can't help but want to share that love with others. And that's especially why I love student ministry. 
Trust me, I hear the jokes about middle schoolers and high schoolers, and I think to myself, I think Jesus would be a part of student ministry. <laughs> I think that he would say, and, and kids ministry too, like I think that he would say there's so much value in them that they don't have to grow up to be loved. I've interviewed a lot of leaders on why they want to serve in student ministry. And you know what they say? They always say there was that one person who showed them God's love when they were in middle school or high school or in kids ministry. And because of that, because of that person who was living on mission and serving them, they now want to do the same for other students. Living on mission is for everyone that has been loved by God and knows that they are valued. One of the things that excited me about coming to Good Shepherd was that I could do missions in Los Angeles. You see, about five years ago, I brought some students here to Skid Row, and we worked at the Union Rescue Mission. I didn't know it then, but God was planting seeds in me that I would return years later. During the interview process, I was told I wouldn't have to go all the way to Skid Row to do ministry. I could simply drive to a town over and be able to find ways to serve those who were in need. Well, they were incorrect. I actually have to simply look across the street from my house to see people who are in need, to see people who are sleeping under bridges and in tents. I simply have to look outside of my window to see a whole apartment complex of people who are in need of knowing that they have value and that Jesus loves them. When we realize how much Jesus has done for us, it should excite us that we get to love others. And so for me, that means getting super excited about finding ways that we can serve others in our community. How can we be good neighbors? The early church started with 12 apostles, and they changed the world. They were the ones who would go out on the outskirts of town where it was socially acceptable to abandon your children, especially if they had any special needs or if they were female, they would be abandoned and it was totally fine. The Christians would go out and they would find these babies and they would adopt them and give them a family. It was the Christians who looked after the widows. It was the Christians who, when sickness would come to a town, instead of leaving people to die, they would stay and nurse them. Jesus said to his, his apostles that they would do more than he did, and it is true. Jesus could have easily taken the easy way. He could have used the excuses that society gave him, yet he didn't, and he calls us to do the same. To set aside our busyness that often makes us miss what's going on in the world around us, and we're, we're asked to lead in a world full of needs. A few days ago, I was walking around my new neighborhood, and for some reason, I decided to take a walk on the other sidewalk. I'd always been on this other side, every time. This one sidewalk, I had walked there so many times. And for some reason, I just decided to go on the different sidewalk. 
And boy, did I see a lot. I saw this house, had lots of succulents. I was like, wow, that's a ton of cactus. I've never seen that many. <laughs> and then there was a lady who was watering her plants. And I said hi to her. And, and then there was these two young ladies who were getting ready for a photo shoot. And I thought to myself, so often we stay on the same sidewalk. And we never venture to the other sidewalk where we can see people that are in need and who need to know that they are loved by God. So imagine with me if we all lived on mission. Imagine if we led in a world that is so self-centered. Imagine if we took the time to enter someone's life, to share the hope that Jesus himself has given us. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you love us. We are so grateful that you didn't think we were too much work or that there was too many things that were wrong with us, that we, that we sinned too much, and that you love us and you went out of your way to share that love with us. God, I ask that we would be a people that not only know that we are loved by you, but then want to share that love. Who can't help but share that love with those around us. God, I ask that we would be a people that would be on mission, that would look for ways that we can serve those around us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.